0: Uh, I want to start with a uh, a parable, if you will, today. Uh, This is a parable of a uh, group of people who live uh, kind of in a uh, desert kind of place. Uh, They don't know very much about the outside world. Uh, It's kind of a hard place to live. Most of their water and nourishment comes from the rain. They try to capture the rain. And... Uh, So they live very, very simple lives. And and yet they're they're fairly happy in their little simple lives, but they don't know what more might possibly be out there. Well, the next morning, uh, one morning they they wake up, and there's there's a man walking around, and he's talking to some of the leaders especially. And he says to some of the leaders, uh... I need you to know that something miraculous happened last night." And, and the leaders are saying, What was it? And he said, You don't know it, but you have a benefactor. You have somebody who loves you, who has given you a wonderful, wonderful gift. And they're saying what? And he said, During the night, if you look up, uh, there are there's some mountains up there, and during the night, this benefactor actually has given you a wonderful gift and it's a gift of a pipeline. There's a pipeline that is actually going to bring uh, from a... There's a temple hidden up in the mountains, you guys have never seen it. Underneath this temple is water and it's, and it's fresh and it's, and it's refreshing and it will and make you feel wonderful and everything that is associated with this water grows and one of the things that this benefactor just did for you during the night was that he brought in this pipeline that goes up and it connects to the mountain top now at the the end of the pipeline is a little spigot that's a spigot turn it all you have to do is go over and turn the spigot, and the water will come down. That's all you have to do. And the the leaders of the town were were saying among themselves, well, what's what's this going to cost us? And the man is saying, there's no cost. This man, this benefactor that you don't know yet loves you. He just put this in free of cost. Well, what do we have to do? And he says, he just wants you to be nice to one another. And take the water and let things grow. That's all you have to do. The only thing you have to do is go turn on the spigot. Now, how do you think that would go in a town that has never, maybe doesn't even know, didn't know that there was water available? Didn't even know that that was an option. And this man just comes in and starts talking to some of the leaders. What would happen is the leaders started going around and telling other people, you know what, something's cool happened. During the night, we were given a fabulous gift, and this, this pipeline has suddenly been put in there, and it's bringing water down from here. We don't have to wait for the rainwater and things like that. It's going to be there in abundance. Sure. Sure. <laughs> why sure why would they be like what What is the catch what is is the catch there's always a catch right okay what else might be the response
1: they never heard of the water before they didn't know about it so it's all new to
0: them how do we know that that water really exists how do we even know that it's really there he says there's a temple how do we know that there's a temple Well, he told us there was. Okay, ah, all right. Let's try it. Now, isn't that the best possibility? Let's just try it. Because there's only two things that are going to happen, right? We turn on the spigot, the water flows. We don't turn on the spigot. Our life continues on as normal. There's a third thing. The water could be poisoned. There could be something wrong with the water. Yeah, there could be another motive here. And in fact, what would happen if one of the responses from some of the people in the town uh, say, were saying, you know though, I also had a visitor. And he said not to believe that there was water coming down. And in fact, he said that he, would, he had something that was better than just an old pipeline. that we're not sure if it works. should be paying for it. Who gets the water? Everyone. Ex- but But this is a big gift. That would be a false source. That would be another way pipe somewhere. Yeah. So yeah. you have to go to the true source. You have to go to the true source. Okay. Now, what happens though if, if there are some people in the town who are saying, you know what, it's just, I don't feel good about just taking the water. In fact, I think I've got to be like, I've got to work harder. Maybe it would work if I like crawled on my knees to go get the water so I was bleeding a lot. And I like had to put up, you know, I haven't suffered enough yet to really get the free water. I need to be in more pain more. Because I'm not sure that I should just deserve to just have the water show up. Right? You see everything that they would go through? Yeah. How about the people who want to crawl along next to the pipeline, up the mountain, to find wherever the source is and do it all themselves? Oh, I, oh! it wouldn't be the same if I just accepted the water. I should have to crawl up the mountain and find it myself. They get too and, easy. Yeah, yeah, that's for everybody else in my case. Um, especially, you know, if I've had kind of a rough life and I need to probably prove myself before I get the water. Yeah. Well, who was going to judge if these people were good? They were going to get this free water if they were. Well, uh, exactly. But the benefactor told the the uh, the leaders that that it wasn't about them being good or bad. It's just that he loved them. He did it on their own, on his own. And that would be hard. That would be hard to believe, wouldn't it? There's got to be something that I've done to There's to warrant getting this free water. Exactly. He just said, when, when they asked, what do you want from us? He said,
1: just be nice. Just be
0: nice. Be nice to one another. And again, this is too complicated, though. There should be more here. Well, it's
1: complicated when people get grief
0: when something like that. Oh, there might be a grief factor. Yeah. Well, okay, let's start putting, let's start putting some names to all of this, shall we? Um... Let's, let's uh, primarily today we're going to be uh, doing two chapters. We're actually going to do Ether 12 Which we kind of touched on a little bit last week. And then we're going to be doing Moroni 7. Okay? So, somebody, uh, somebody got verse 8. Uh but Ether 12.
1: But because of the faith in men, he has shown himself unto the world, glorified the name of the Father, and prepared a way that thereby others might be partakers
0: of the heavenly gift. They might hope for those things which they have not Ah. Okay, so so we're about to find out as as Moroni is talking here, he's gonna talk about that there was there is a heavenly gift.
1: Right? There is a heavenly gift
0: available here. Now it's interesting that he's going to do this because the fascinating thing that happens in Either 12 is that Moroni is going to be worried about some things and he's going to start writing. And then in the middle of this, if you look, if you flip all the way down to um, verse 39, you're going to see what actually happened here. In verse 39, he says, verse 38. Uh, I Moroni bid farewell to the Gentiles um, verse 39 then shall you know that I have seen Jesus and that he has talked to me face to face and told me in plain humility we're going to come back to that humility in a sec but what's happened in Ether 12 is that we're getting a personal PPI between Moroni and the Savior and they're having have a conversation back and forth and it's going to be centered on some of the things that Moroni is worried about. Okay? Now, the uh, best way to say this is um, let's see. I'm, going to kind of work, I'm trying to work back here so this makes a little bit more sense. Alright, let's look at verse 36. I'm going to take this a little bit out of context, so it's not going to flow as much, but the the concept here is what's so powerful. Verse 36, somebody got that? Yeah. And it came to pass that I prayed unto the Lord that he would give unto the Gentiles grace that they might have charity. Oh, okay, now. Let's put in our first definition. Moroni, knowing that, again, we're going to talk about how they're going to, the Gentiles will one day see the plates and they're going to mock it and all that kind of stuff. Moroni is trying to pray, he prays to the Lord that the Gentiles, because remember, it's going to go to the Gentiles who will then give it to who? The Jews. Before the Jews. The, the Lamanites. The remnants, okay, of the, of the house of Israel. And when they've done it, ultimately it will go to the Jews. Now, he's praying that they will receive a heavenly gift. So if we're going to put a name on this pipeline that's taking the water down to the people that they didn't deserve and didn't earn, but the benefactor gave it to them anyway, we would call that what? Yes. Grace is the pipeline. It's given as a gift. Now, the water coming down here came to pass that I prayed unto the Lord that he would give unto unto the Gentiles grace the gift that they might have what? Oh, So, charity is what's going to flow down through that grace conduit, if that makes sense. Now, let's find out about, okay, verse 33 and 34 tells us what this is. Okay, so you got that? again I remember that thou hast
1: said that thou hast loved the world even unto laying down thy life for the world that thou mightest take it up again to prepare a place for the children
0: of men Okay, now let's stop for a second what's he just describing (coughs) yeah so this charity is he's calling it he's calling it the love of God right and really the best way to describe it is the atonement Okay. Let's keep going. And now I know that this love which thou hast had for the children of men is charity. Wherefore, if men shall have charity, they they cannot inherit that place which thou hast prepared in the mansions of thy father. Okay. Now, so so if we're going to talk about, if you're going to define what grace is, because isn't this one of those places where we have a a lot of confusion with other churches and what is grace and what is grace? If, if, if a if a Baptist, we're going to come up and say to you, how a Mormon, what a Mormon see grace is. What is grace? Forgiveness. It's forgiveness. What else?
1: Uh huh. Or they ever happened, and nothing you can do can earn you grace.
0: Because what is because what is grace? Because you just did a wonderful job of describing charity. <laughs> what is what is grace? Yeah. Well, grace has to work in a way that
1: it would cover. That we come to a fallen state,
0: yeah. And even
1: though there are some people who've got the body and come to Earth, but never had the opportunity to make any choices, right? They're still fallen, and they still wouldn't be able to be in the presence of Heavenly Father, right? So we have to somehow work in
0: resurrection and bring you back to the state uh-huh. where you could be with God again. Beautiful. That's charity. What's grace? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, there, there we go. Grace, two, two things you need to know about grace. One, it is a, it is a gift that was given and it's the, the enabling power to enable you to do what? Enable you to do what? What's enabling you to do? What does the pipeline do? Everything. It, it, what? Is the people in the town, what does the pipeline enable them to do? A- access the water. The pipeline gave them access to the water. What does grace do? It's the enabling power for what? Access. access to the atonement. And, and what do we do to deserve grace? Nothing. It was a gift. So when we talk about what is the gift, grace of God, it is a gift. Freely given. Did we deserve it? Did we earn it? Are we worthy of it? No. It was just given. <laughs> now, as we're going to talk about, this, can you reject grace? Yes. Have the Gentiles, can the Gentiles, let me say it's different. will the Gentiles before the second coming reject grace? Yes. Did the Nephites ultimately reject grace? Yes. Ultimately, they said, the same way as it was with the brazen serpent in the wilderness, And all that, then you said, you know what? I know it's there, but we choose not to take advantage of it. We we choose not to turn on the spigot. Well, all you've got to do is just go look at it. Yeah, but nah, nah, I'm going to do it myself, or I don't believe it. Okay? Ultimately, the Nephites rejected grace, and when they rejected grace, then what happened to them? They were destroyed. They no longer had access to that power and they were then destroyed. Does that sort of make sense? Okay, I know this is kind of a we're swimming in doctrinal waters here, but I think it sets up everything else that, that we're trying to talk about, and it sets up what Mormon or what Moroni is trying to tell us, and then he's going to give us a lecture of his father's in Morona here, in Moroni 7, to try and nail this down. Okay? Yeah. I think too we have to be careful about acceptance and grace because
1: sometimes our perspective is that we have to work harder just like all those analogies you know get up the mountain or I'm not and so even, if, even though we know about this it doesn't mean that we will take
0: advantage of it and if,
1: if, when the water when the water comes down
0: so now you have access to the water You've accepted the gift of grace. That gave you access to the atonement. The water is coming down. Now, what are you supposed to do with the water? You've got to use it, right? You've got to share it. What happens if you're one of those that says, you know, I can make some money with this? If I can find a way to control this thing, then I can charge people for it. I can make money. This is called the Mayhem principle out of, out of uh, the Pearl of Great Price. I can make money, especially if I kill all other people that are trying to get access to this thing. Okay? But if... What happens to those that are going to try and charge for the gift freely given? It will be taken away from them. Yeah, because it was never intended to be charged for. There was a. I've listened. there was a... a Uh, I was listening to a BYU professor uh, the other night, he was talking about how they were on a trip in uh, Jordan, I think, in Amman. And and there was a boy that uh, came onto the bus, uh, the the, uh, BYU tour bus that was on there, and he had a gift of these, these Middle East cucumbers that are very, very sweet. And he wanted, and he, and they were Americans coming through, and he just, and he wanted to give them to them. And so he went up and down, he went up back to the back of the bus, and he just handed out the cucumbers. Okay, well about halfway down, one of the, one of the guys on the bus said, uh, well, well let me pay you for it. And he said, no, 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 I just, I'm just giving them to you. And he said, no, I want to pay you for them." And, and the boy said, no, this it is my gift. And, and the, the man like, took like a $20 bill and stuffed it in his pocket. And he, and he was kind of in horror and he starts to back off and as he's backing off everybody went, oh good. Well, and so everybody was like trying to stuff money in his pocket and everything and by the time he got to the back to the front of the bus he was in tears. Now, were the people trying to pay him being well intentioned? They were wanting to do something uh, nice. I remember being on a boat out in uh, Guatemala about a year and a half ago. We were going down to a little village, and and these and these cute little kids come up on their boats, and they were selling us little things. And we were glad we could see their their huts over against the river, and we would uh, and so we felt like we were giving something to them. We were well intentioned that we were giving them money. Okay. In this case, so this boy. In Jordan, simply said, I want to give you a gift. And everybody was well-intentioned trying to give him the money. But by the time it got done, he was so insulted and in tears. Why? They wouldn't take gift. Yeah, they, they just wouldn't take his gift. It was a great insult to him that they weren't just accepting the gift freely given. Okay? Now, perfectionists in the group. And you know who you are. When the Savior is trying to give you a gift, knock it off. <laughs> Quit trying to make yourself, trying to say, I don't deserve it yet. Or I, I should be more, I should bleed more. Something, I don't deserve what he's trying to give me. It's the gift of get grace. It enables you to access the greatest of all gifts, and that is his charity and his atonement. And yet we get wrapped around the axle about beating ourselves up because we're not perfected yet. And it's almost like we're just are gonna, going to ignore that. Or we're going to say, I have to do everything else myself, and then at the last minute, then I'm going to go over here and turn on the spigot because I need just like a cup of water. I need just a little bit to fill up the gap. You see how we miss that? That's why it's important that we understand when, the saved, when Moroni is going to be talking about grace that we understand what he's talking about. Grace is a gift. That's why we get caught up in trying to say to our, to our Baptist friends are we saved by, by faith or works? Right. Neither. This is not a battle we get into because it's, it's a false battle. On top of that, let me just uh, let's see. Let's see if I can find this real quick. It is. Kevin? Yeah. uh, Ditto. I really like what you just said, but going along with that too. Perfection is wholeness. Perfection is a state of -hmm. of, uh,
1: getting somewhere. It's wholeness, and you know, by by thinking about the works, the grace and the works. Uh, you know, sometimes we have to stretch a little bit more. To it's all balance. It's not, you know, one or the other. It's balancing it, and sometimes we need to work on accepting grace more. Yes. Than
0: that. And so
1: that might be uncomfortable, I and mean, we to stretch a little bit to be able to, to
0: understand that. Sometime, well, now, what's it going to take for them to be able to turn on the spigot? What underlies all of this so that you will actually have access to this? Yeah, there's going to be two things. One, it's going to be faith. You've got to have faith that the water actually exists up there, that there is a benefactor. And that this water won't be poisoned, that it will be frozen. Thanks. What else does it take? Belief. Belief. What, but action based on humility. We just have to be willing to do it, humbly, and submit, and just go turn the water on rather than think we're all that. Yeah? A desire to believe. There is a desire to believe, and that, exactly. Um, So let's... All right. I'm not finding it. Anyway. Now, here's the battle we get into. Let's start at verse 21 in Ether 12. Because you would look at it and say, well, why would anybody turn down the gift? It's a gift. And, and the water is going to make everything better. In, in all of this somehow, can you work
1: in what the right answer to, is to all the people that misquote 2 Nephi
0: 25-23? Ooh, 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 that, that's the one I was looking for. Okay, th- thank you. You're there, right? And Okay, R- re- read, it's 2 Nephi, what, 25? Uh, 25, 23. 25 23. let's go there for a second. For we
1: know that it is by grace that we are saved
0: after all we can do. Ah, okay, now, I want you to do something interesting. I want you I want you to read, uh, and hang with me on this, the two verses ahead of that. <coughs> 25, 23, so 21 and 22. Quick with my mouth. Yes, ma'am. Wherefore,
1: for this cause hath the Lord God promised unto me, that these things which I write shall be kept and preserved, and handed down unto my seed, from generation to generation, that the promise may be fulfilled unto Joseph, that his seed should never perish, as long as the earth should stand, Wherefore, these things shall go from generation to generation
0: as long as the earth shall stand. Okay, now, what are we talking about? (coughs) The promise. And and preservation, and the people and the records being preserved, right? So over and over and over, these things will stand. They're not going to be lost. And these people won't be lost either. We're talking about preservation, okay? Not extinction. We don't want it to be gone. It's going to be preserved. Okay, now, keep going.
1: And they shall go according to the will and pleasure of God. And the nations who shall possess them shall be judged of them according to the words which are written.
0: Okay, so those that will survive, those that are going to make it, the nations that will will be preserved will be those that have hung on to these records and haven't rejected them, they haven't rejected the grace, Wonderful. So it's about preserve. And by the way, those that reject all of this go away. So it's, this is about preservation. Now read the next verse. For we labor diligently to write to persuade our children and also our brethren to believe in Christ. Why? So Why do they? Why do they need to believe in Christ? So that they will what? They, and if they get the grace, then what happens? That they're preserved. They're not destroyed. Spiritually or physically. They are preserved. If our if our children will believe in the words of Christ, they won't be destroyed. Wow, that's nice. Okay, now, against that background. Keep reading. Um, to persuade your children to believe in Christ, to be reconciled to God. Right. For we know that it is by grace that we are saved after all we can do. Ah. Okay. In that context, let's change that word. Save. Because that's where our head gets wrapped around this thing. We go, saved meaning salvation. What, was, what were these last couple of verses just telling us? What What is it about? Preservation. It is by grace that we are preserved. After all we can do. And what can we do? What are we supposed to do to be preserved? Turn on the spigot. Turn on the spigot. And how do we turn on the spigot? We have to accept the gift. That's how we do it. We have to accept the gift. If you accept the gift freely given by grace, you will be preserved. All of this, you will gain access to all of this water coming down the mountain that's going to make everything grow around it. By grace we are preserved. Now, if you want to make this about salvation, because it works at that level too, Uh, Robert Millet, Stephen Robinson, I could could go down the line, believe that the way that this should actually read is, by grace we are saved in spite of all we can do. And and it's true at that level, but it's also true at uh, being preserved. The mistake that we make is that we use this verse in 2 Nephi to to, to come up with the gap theology. To gap meaning I do all that I can. I've done 90% of it. And then the Lord
1: ah, does the last
0: 5%. And it doesn't work. It's not what it was ever intended. That's why, that's why I say this becomes kind of important. What is grace? It's a gift. Freely given to us. Did we deserve it? Did we earn it? Are we worthy of it? No. But when we access the charity, and we access all of that love, then everything starts to grow. We've got to take the water and plant, use it to plant our crops, and to feed our children, and all that kind of stuff. We've got to do something with it. But grace is a gift. Is that the heavenly gift you're talking about? It is. This is the heavenly gift that is talked about in in Ether 12. Yeah, but then you go into
1: the Bible dictionary.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Now, now but by the way, let me explain. Where did the Bible dictionary come from? In, the, in, the, in our scriptures? Bruce R. McConkey. Bruce R. McConkey edited a Bible dictionary. There was a lot of this, and that's why there are certain elements in here where we're, we're getting some traditional... The, the, the church didn't create the Bible dictionary whole plot, but it was edited. There's some things like the section on prayer in the Bible dictionary that are that is magnificent. We'll use that in two weeks. But yeah, you're going to get a traditional grace thing in there. Okay? All right. Have we gotten heavy enough? Are we swimming pretty good? You staying head above water? Cool. Yeah. Okay. I think what he was doing, though, was he was looking for people who desired to believe. And I think we get confused Looking for looking for people to introduce the gospel to, who have faith. Yeah. And looking for those who have the desire to believe. And now we're about to get to that. He was talking to them because they have the desire to believe. Not yeah. that they believe gifts. Hey, Hang on to that for one chapter before we get over to Moroni 9.7. Okay, now. Let's start at... at uh, He spends the first part of Ether 12 talking about the faith of our fathers and they did all these things and the faith of the brother of Jared and all that. And then he says, verse 23, and I said unto him, here's where the interview starts, I said unto him, Lord, the Gentiles will do what? Mock at these things. By the way, let's start. Have they mocked the Book of Mormon? What did they say about the Book of Mormon? What did Mark Twain say it was? Chloroform and print He also said it to take out all the and it came to pass on a pamphlet. Have they mocked? Oh yeah okay. I said unto him, Lord, the Gentiles will mock at these things because of our weakness in writing. Um, for Lord, Thou hast made us mighty in what word, but our writing not so much. Now, if you've looked at like Mayan glyphs, or if you look at the uh, we have some of the characters the, the, from the paper that Martin Harris took to uh, Professor Anthon and, and two others uh, where we have we actually see we have reformed Egyptian characters from the Book of Mormon. If I have my PowerPoint, I would show I them to you last week. They're glyphs. A glyph is a symbol. And it's a symbol that like the and it came to pass in in Mayan is one glyph. It's one it's one picture. So it isn't like he's having to say, and it came to pass. Then they wrote they drew this picture. So when he talks about it being awkward where we place our words, he said we're having to carve out a little face of a like a lizard thing. That means it came to pass. And if he's going to say uh, and and this is 385th year in 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 the Mayan script. If you're going to try and write 385 A.D., it's 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 like this long. I mean, it is just this long. You got to go through and count by sevens, and I mean, it's just an amazing process just to write a number. Which, by the way, they just found another Mayan glyph in. Uh, In Mexico City,
1: talking
0: about 2012, if you want to be spooked for next year. No, No, okay. Uh, The Gentiles will mock at these things because of our weakness in writing, for thou hast made us mighty in word, but thou hast not made us mighty in writing. Uh, For thou hast made this people that they could speak much because uh, of the Holy Ghost which thou hast given them. Okay, let me stop for a second. perfectionists in the group. Has the Lord made you mighty in some things and not so mighty in others? Has the Lord given you talents in one thing and not talents in another? If we're going to do a talent show in the war, what talents are we going to see? Singing? Family service. Yeah, <laughs> yes. That's right. It's my turn on, on the, uh, look like in our at the No Talent" night. I'm going to show up. I'm going to show my genealogy family search thing. <laughs> Here's ten generations. Everybody Hey ten! ten generations. <laughs> well, there's some other hidden talents that maybe don't get all of the. What kind of hidden talents might be sitting there that people wouldn't recognize it quietly going on. What? Compassion. Compassion. Those quiet little gifts of going over and helping somebody. <coughs> yeah? Listening. Just having a listening ear. Okay? I just, I continue to be impressed with President Watson uh, where He is not an out-in-front type of person. But if you start looking at all of the things that President Monson has done and all of the boards that he sat on, he's very quietly molded and shaped the direction of his church for years. Have you seen his name on any of that? No, he was sitting on a committee quietly giving guidance and direction and approving things and making sure it's moving in the right direction. So how many of you have... that are never recognized. That nobody will ever know about. Other than maybe the people that you're helping your church Okay, now, by the way, let let, let me point out one other thing on here. Here's the first, go back to verse 23. I said unto him, Lord, the Gentiles will mock at these things because of our weakness in writing. So apparently, Moroni was afraid of being made fun of. Perry. Why would he be worried about being mocked? Which by the way, when I was on my mission, we had we had we had compiled because in England from time to time we would be mocked. So so we had our we compiled a group of us our mock scriptures and we could and we could use them in a moment's notice. Somebody's gonna make fun of us and we go, fool mock that they shall (laughs) (laughs) mourn. Or we would say, you know, somebody would be making fun of us and we'd say, suffer that I should speak. And after that I have spoken, mock (laughs) (laughs) Joke. We may not have had a lot of other scriptures memorized, but we had the mock scriptures down. <laughs> we were, were so careful with them. Yes? Was he so much afraid of being mocked, or was he more afraid that the people would not get it? Would not get what? The grace to what he's trying to get across to them. Yes. What was he worried about? <laughs> and, and because of his inability to write?
1: He believed the scriptures were all true, and he wanted us to believe.
0: And if we mock them, then we're not going to... It's a spigot! Come to the
1: spigot! Oh, yeah, it's a great spigot, yeah.
0: (laughs) No, it's wonderful, you love it! Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, try writing that one down. Send us a note. Great writer, yeah. Exactly. In other words, there will be some... He wasn't afraid that they were going to mock the book, he was afraid that these wonderful things that are contained in here will be rejected because I couldn't write them well enough to really express how wonderful this really is. So this wasn't a matter of being afraid of being made fun of. This was a matter of people may not receive salvation because of my inabilities kind of thing. Yeah? Yeah. Maybe he's comparing a little and he's feeling a little bit like there's these are great writers that can really put how they feel and where does that lead me and how do the same thing to give the message Yeah. Have you ever have you ever read uh, the works of a great writer? And then you're gonna turn around and write something? And you just go. Neil Maxwell. Now I'm going to try and write something, and not i out. I think so because he was just—he just he just been he'd been editing all of, of uh, Brother Jared's stuff and reading this magnificent stuff, and then he's got to—he's got to go back to doing glyphs and go. Oh, I, I can't even come close to that. And if they could read that, they would be converted. They're going to read my stuff, and they're going to mock. Yeah. Interesting. That's
1: kind of what You also on a daily basis for us calling especially the teaching is there's many times that there may not be the most eloquent teacher or speaker or whatever but you know if our spirit is open that we will get the message but I think for those that talk that's a big concern because we know what we want to pass on, but some of us are just not as articulate as others and so we feel like we're not going to uh-huh. anything across because we aren't you know a good speaker
0: or a good well, or... Not that any of you have ever done this. Have you ever been on the other side of being the mocker? Sitting in a sacrament meeting and going, oh. You see somebody coming up to bear their testimony, or somebody coming up to speak, and you go, oh, it's in my scripture. It's time to, time to check my email here. Or or in general conference, you may go, oh, it's not an apostle. It's one of the other guys. What happens when we're on the walking end of that? What are we missing when we're on that end? Because somebody isn't as eloquent. Yeah? We have an example of that. yesterday
1: in our sacrament meeting, a sister gave a talk, and she's a sister who um, in the past has struggled with inactivity. She's, um, she's from the Philippines. She's very, very shy in our ward. She's not one of those who's out there. A lot of people don't even know her. But she gave a beautiful talk and a beautiful testimony. And everybody that I, you know, could see was so moved and touched by her words. And she even said, I'm not very eloquent in what I want to say, but the spirit that she had,
0: you know, made up for that. Isn't that great? So I think we have to be careful not to be on the other end of this. Now, look at, listen to the Lord's response, Verse 26. Lord, I'm not a very good writer. Things aren't going so well. I can't can't write like Brother Jared did. And when I'd seen this, verse 26, the Lord spake unto me, saying, Fool's mock. But they shall mourn. And, here it comes. You ready? My grace is sufficient for who? The The meek. And in fact, we're going to get this again. Um, and they're going to take no advantage of your weakness. Now look at 27. Everybody's favorite verse. And if men come unto me, I will show unto them their weakness. And we talked last week that, remember, this is this has a dual meaning, right? We tend to see it with the first meaning, which is, if we come unto the Lord, He'll show unto us our weakness says, But it's interesting that He's saying, If men come unto Me, I will show unto them their weakness, meaning what? Their humanness. Their fallenness. Their need for what? Grace. If men come unto Me, I will show unto them uh, their weakness, and I give unto men weakness that they may be humble. And And if they're humble, what do they need? The pipeline. If they're humble, they will take themselves over, they will turn on the spigot. My and my grace is sufficient for who? All those who do, humble me before me. Okay? For if they humble before me and they believe that the water is up there, then I will make (coughs) weak things become strong. Okay, now let me stop for a second here. Because here's where we sometimes misunderstand this. Okay? I will make weak things become strong. So what that means is if you're not a good speaker, If you will just allow the grace of God to be there for you, you will ultimately be a great speaker. You will ultimately be a great teacher. I'm horrible at basketball, and if the grace of God comes along, ultimately I will be a great basketball player. I will make those weak things become strong. So any weaknesses that I have will be made stronger. Does that make sense? What weak things are we talking about? I will make weak things strong. Who are the weak things? Oh,
1: well, I was just thinking that, we were just talking about the fact that he was not good at writing. And so, if, if you have faith in God, the scriptures, the Book of Mormon will become strong. Yes!
0: There you go. That one of those weak things, that the Gentiles may look at this and say, the Book of Mormon is a weak thing, because it came from that boy, he didn't know what he was doing. So, that weak thing, suddenly for those that have studied this weak thing, are going, wow, this is strong. This is this is more powerful than I had any idea. Those weak things. What else? Yeah? Well, in verse um, 28, he goes
1: on to, Will show unto the Gentiles a weakness and I will show unto them faith, help, and charity so is that thing that we need to strengthen those are really the things that we need to strengthen
0: doesn't that make sense that in other words I will cause, cause let's, let's look at that he's going to say I will show un, by the way I think it's fascinating how he turns the table they're going to say I'm weak and what is the Lord saying I will show unto the Gentiles what Okay, those that are mocking, he says, by the way, if you're mocking here, I'm going to turn the table, and you're you're wondering about these weaknesses, I will show unto you what? Your weakness. Okay? I'll I'll turn it on you. Behold, I will show unto the Gentiles their weakness, and I will show them what? They get the gift. They get grace. Yeah. I always I always took it to be testimony. Like the the difference between weak is you have a desire to believe. But you don't believe yet. And he can make it strong, so then you have faith. And you and if you continue to be more diligent, you get even more uh, Okay. You're right there. So 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 let me take it back. And he will have things for us to do and things we need to be involved in but we are the weak things we're weak he's showing us our weakness we're the weak thing, what do we need? grace because we can't do it on our own we're the weak thing that, and those Gentiles and if you'll, if you'll recognize your weakness what will you get? grace and that grace will open up the conduit to what? charity which is the atonement, which will fill you and make and make you everything I want you to be. You may never be a great speaker, but you have some other gifts that you will bless the lives of others with. Yeah.
1: And I think the church is great at helping us develop those gifts. We're often given callings that we don't feel that we can do. And, and some people bow off and just say, I'm not going there. Then they miss out, the, they miss out on the opportunity of becoming
0: strong in areas that they're not. Oh, absolutely. Anybody in the uh, Plano 6 board? Okay. Cousin Bishop freaking out? <laughs> uh, I would imagine that, now, uh, is it chill? I imagine he has uh, had a sleepless night last night. What do you want to bet? <laughs> ben the there. <laughs> that, they did just change that, they, they released the bishop in the Plano Bishop board. And uh, so, yeah, when those moments come, he's got to be saying, "I don't think I can do this." If it, he's it, smart, it, I can't do this. I am weak in and of myself, but by the grace of God, I'm going to receive a gift and some priesthood keys to make up, to do the things that I can't do, because He will take over. Yeah. Um, even though
1: we may be weak in an area, you know, if we're giving a talk or writing something. Trying to help someone, Lord will magnify our efforts. You know, especially you know, His Spirit there, and a person willing to receive. You know, our little portion, even if it's just not
0: very, seems very good about it, Lord will magnify that. Absolutely. Okay, now in in the time we've got remaining, let me show you how He's going to do this. Uh, Now, the first, I'm I'm skipping over, and I know I'm doing it. It kills me when I'm doing it, but we're going to skip over. The first few chapters of the book of Moroni is wonderful, especially in the early days of the church. They had these first few books of Moroni that gave the sacrament of prayers and how to ordain, and so there's some nice little things there. But I want to hop all the way over to uh, Moroni six or seven to what I think is is one of the great. Chapters. Now, let me just say this: Uh, Who's uh, who's given who's preaching here? Mormon. Mormon. This is Moroni quoting his father Mormon, and and he's and he's giving this wonderful speech. And who's he giving it to? Well, he, verse three. Therefore, I speak unto you that are of the church that are the peaceable followers of Christ. And I know I've mentioned this before, but let me just say this again. Who's he talking to? This is Mormon. How did his preaching go? How often did he get to preach? In fact, all the way through it says they wouldn't listen to him. And he's he's a warrior. He's surrounded by blood and guts and gore and stuff. And now he's speaking to people of the church who are who? the peaceable followers that are walking the peaceable walk with the children of men, in all likelihood, who's this talk given to? Us. First of all, us. But who did he actually give this address to? Up north, up north up among up. the anti-Nephiians. More than likely. Because the Nephites and the Lamanites, the day of grace had passed, the gift had been taken, and so now we found people that are walking a peaceable walk with the children of men, and it wasn't the Nephites. Yeah. Okay, so he's talking to them. Yes. What happens to them? To But he's also talking to us. So this is going to be one of those modern day things. Where he says, uh, verse 3, I would speak unto you that are of the church, that are the peaceable followers of Christ, and have obtained a sufficient hope by which you can enter into the rest of the Lord from this time henceforth until you shall rest with him in heaven. So they had gone so far as to accept This stuff down here, where they were actually being able to enter. They had enough hope they were able to enter into His rest. Now, we've talked about rest before. Let me just take it just a second. When we talk about entering into the Lord's rest, what are we talking about? Part of it is joy. But can you imagine, again, the Lord, you know, He creates creates the earth, and then it says, on the seventh day he what? Can you imagine that? <sighs> <sighs> well that was, so, oh man. I need a drink of water. That was so hard. You know, I need to I need, I'm on No Hold out are killing me, man. Can you see him doing that? What is it? Obviously rest doesn't mean <laughs> taking five. It just doesn't mean that. sake of time. Can I give you President Joseph F. Smith's uh, explanation of this. He says, to my mind the rest means entering into the knowledge and love of God, having faith in His purpose and His plan to such an extent that we know we are right. And that we are not hunting for anything else. You have rested from the hunt. You've rested from the search. We are not disturbed by every wind of doctrine or by the cunning and craftiness of men who lie in wait to deceive. We know of the doctrine that is of God and we do not ask any questions of anybody else about it. They're welcome to their opinions and to their ideas and their vagaries.
1: We become converted.
0: We are converted. Yeah, maybe that's a good way to say that. Okay, now, so, yeah? And
1: we're also at peace.
0: And we are at peace. <coughs> yeah, in other words, I'm not stirred up by all these things. I am at rest from having to be worried about. That's why I always worry. You know, when we, and I've mentioned this before, oftentimes with our youth or with uh, people that are new to the church, uh, they get excited about, uh, studying with the Mormon missionaries and it sounds so good and the first thing they want to do is Google it. Let's just Google Mormon. See how we do. Yeah, what happens if you Google Mormon? It's not, good. it's not good. There's so, everybody with an opinion and an axe to grind is out there just charging away. Sometimes our teenagers are doing that, saying, let me Google some of this stuff. And they start hearing all this, and now they get disturbed by all these winds of doctrine, because it was on the internet. It must be true. And we get disturbed. When we get to this point where we've entered into this rest, we are so filled with that love that we are at peace. We're feeling joy. Now, the rest of... Moroni seven after this is going to be a. It's interesting what he's doing. Look at verse five. I remember the word of God which saith, by their works you shall know them. Not by not save them, but you'll know who. The, in other words, you're going to turn on the spigot and see what happens. Right? Prove me herewith, the Savior says. Prove me. Try it. Plant plant a little bit of the word this love in your heart and let it grow and see what it grows into. If it grows into a weed, then you know. If it grows into a tree of life, album 32, then you know it's a good thing. Okay?
1: Is that rest
0: what you need to have? Yeah, I think it's like the ultimate rest. Is it the same? Is that what you're talking about? No, I think we can actually, the nice thing is is that what you get a sense from it and what Mormon is saying to the I think to the Ammonites, you already entered into the rest. You're here, you haven't been translated like Enoch. But those of us in here, you can be at rest without ever being translated. You're at rest. You're no longer tossed by every wind of doctrine. You're at rest. So Enoch was there before they were Yeah, he would be right. Rest would have then set him up to be able to okay. then take the next step. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Speaking of at rest, yeah. I had a convert,
1: I had tried several of face before I came out the S and not
0: the middle of my life. And my thought is uh, as I have just expressed with
1: her, I am home. Yes. It's
0: the way I feel. I am home. is that a peacefulness there that says yes. I don't have I'm no longer out on the road wondering where I'm gonna go. I have yes, come home. Oh I, uh, I like it. bound to home. That's my real thing. You know what that's maybe the best way to put Maybe that's the best description of rest is at home. Perfect. I love that. Okay, now. So he's now going to spend... By works you shall know them. For if their works be good, then they are good also. Now, somewhere in your scriptures, around verse 5, you might want to put a little notation in your scriptures. The word good appears in this chapter... 26 times. 26 times. Chapter 7 is about finding what is good. How to search it out. Find it. Track down what is good. Okay? Um, Then he's going to go back and forth between gifts. Um, A man that's evil cannot do that which is good. Neither will he give a good gift. Um... Now, by the way, which gift are we talking about, ultimately? Grace. grace. Keep that in mind. We're talking about the gifts that are given. He's also, a man won't be a good gift, but he's also saying, God, who is good, is going to give the good gift, which is grace. That's where this all begins to come together. Now... I want you to see where I think a lot of... There's another powerful message that comes in seven. And he's about to tell you how to how to find... How to take advantage of the grace and how to find that which is good. Look at, look at 15. Behold, my brethren, it's given unto you to judge that you may know good from evil. Uh, verse 16... For behold the spirit of Christ is given to every man that he may know good from evil and I will show you the way to judge. Uh, Now you're about to find out with this conduit that that the spirit the spirit is easy as pie. Because he's going to do three things that, that are going to draw you in to receiving the heavenly gift. Okay? First of all, as you look through this, uh, what would you guess the P is? Look at 17. Yeah? First of all, he's going to persuade. Okay? Okay? and then i entice okay he will persuade he will entice and then he does something interesting he then will invite and you're going to find those in here he's going to persuade You know, that didn't look right originally. (laughs) But don't you think invite would look better that way? (laughs) Oh, this is so tempting. For the perfectionist in the group to just leave it right where it is. (laughs) Which I'll do. (laughs) Persuade invite in, in tithes I, I, I'm, I'm hustling through here uh, now here we go uh, verse 20 now my brethren how is it possible that you can lay hold upon every good thing uh, 21 now when I come to that faith which I said and I will tell you the way whereby you may hold on to every good thing don't you want to hold on to every good thing Would you you be interested in how to hold on to every good thing? Listen to how he says this happens. Verse 22. For behold, God, knowing all things, being from everlasting to everlasting, he's going to do an interesting thing to show you how to hold on to every good thing. From everlasting to everlasting. Therefore, he did what? Sent angels. He sent angels to minister unto the children of men, to make manifest concerning the coming of Christ, and in Christ there should every come every good thing. Angels. Now, if I were to ask how many of you have seen an angel, I shouldn't get any answers at all. Because number one. teach us the gospel by angels, you say, well, I saw an angel, therefore maybe that's not working. But wait, there's more. Um, somebody hop over to uh, uh, 1 Nephi 17, 45. Yeah. So
1: angels speak by the power of the Holy Ghost.
0: There we go. And You're about five minutes ahead. Thank you. <laughs> 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 yeah, because that—that's where we're going, and then that's to the, to second Nephi 31. But by uh, before that one, <laughs> somebody has somebody got first Nephi 17, 45? Yeah, Stace. Ye are soon to do
1: iniquity, but slow to remember the Lord your God. You have seen it and he spake unto you. Yea, ye have heard his voice from time to time, and he hath spoken
0: unto you in a still, small voice. Uh, Oh, that's good. But you were past
1: feeling, that ye could not feel his words. Wherefore he has spoken unto you, like unto the voice of thunder, which did cause the earth to shake as if it were to defy it.
0: Okay. Did he just give you a definition in there of what an angel would sound like if an angel were speaking to you? He will speak unto you by a still small voice. Now let me ask, how many of you have ever heard a still small voice? Yeah. Now let me ask you this, how many of you have had times when you have felt the spirit and it was kind of warm or peaceful and calm and how many of you have ever had the Spirit speak to you and had words form in your mind as if you were being told something? Okay? Yeah. That's called the ministry of angels. Because now we're going to go over to 2 Nephi 31. How does that differentiate from the Lord We need to get there. Hold on. Hold on. I'm glad you asked. In fact, let me let's do let's do uh, let's do, actually Alma thirty-two, verse two and three. Do you not remember that I said unto you that after you had received the Holy Ghost that you will speak by the tongue of angels, right? Again, anybody ever had the moment speaking in fast testimony meeting or teaching a lesson when your mouth kind of goes, and out comes this stuff, and you go, that's kind of cool. It's not me, I wish I could take time to write down what it is I just said, that was cool. Okay? Do, Do you not remember that when I said that after you received the Holy Ghost, you could speak with the tongue of angels. And now you can speak with the tongue of angels, say the word, by the Holy Ghost. And then here comes that explanation. Sister Moon. Angels do what? Speak by the power of the Holy Ghost. Therefore they speak the words of Christ. Therefore feast upon these words of Christ. For behold, the words of Christ will tell you all things that you should do. It's right there. Al- Second Nephi 32. 30- Did I say Alma 32? Can you see why it is I didn't do a PowerPoint? We weren't going to have any idea of exactly what was going to be up there. Okay. Second Nephi... I know, now suddenly it makes all sense in the world, right? Second Nephi... 32, verses 2 and 3. (laughs) Verse 3, Angels speak by the power of the Holy Ghost, therefore they speak the words of Christ. Therefore, what he's saying to you is, is there are times when it's just the Holy Ghost speaking, and there are times that it's actually the ministering of angels speaking unto you, and you may not know the difference, and it may not matter. Because if it's an angel speaking to you, he's going to speak by the power of the Holy Ghost, and he's going to preach the words of Christ. But what I am saying to you is that you angels are ministering to you more than you have any idea. They are more involved in this process. Okay? Alright. So, now if we go back to Moroni 7... Verse 22, God knowing all things, being everlasting, He sent angels to minister unto the children of men. Uh, Now, these angels, by the way, a lot of times they would talk to prophets, but also they're they're speaking to you as well. Um, Verse 24, there were diverse ways He did manifest unto the children of men, uh, which is good, and all things that are good come of Christ. Otherwise men were fallen and could no good thing come from them. Therefore, by the ministering of angels. So he's going to tell you there are two, there's two ways that you're going to lay hold of every good thing. And it's easy as pie. He's going to give you both. Number one, um, by the ministering of angels, and number two, by every word that proceedeth more forth out of the mouth of God. I tell you, when I think sometimes ministry and angels are involved, I don't know if. if uh, How many times do we hear missionaries coming back from their experiences, certainly I did, where maybe you're out knocking on doors and, and they knock on the door of somebody and for whatever reason, this person just lets them in. And they preach the gospel to them and they're baptized. And later when they get up and they bear their testimony, they'll say something like this. I don't know why I let them in. I don't know why I opened the door. It just I don't know why I stopped and talked to them. For whatever reason I just started listening to them and what, what they were saying to me just sounded right. But I don't know why I let them in. Some of you may be here now because you or somebody related to you at some point said, I don't know why I let them in, but I did. What do you think is happening in those moments? If the missionaries, if if there are people in the spirit world that have accepted the gospel, what's the best way for them to join the church? They've got to somehow get to their relatives so that they can have the same joy that they've got, but also, more pragmatic than that, also, I need you to join the church so I can receive the blessing, so, the blessing, so you go to the temple so you can do my work. <coughs> so what happens when the missionaries are walking down the door and they get ready to knock on the door? Where do you think those people are in the spirit world? This is them! This is them! <laughs> Let them in! Let them in! Let them oh.
1: I have one that said we dreamed
0: we had you were coming and they described us in everything in the dream. Wow, yeah, could it, could it be a dream? See, I think when we talk about ministry and angels, angels, it says diverse ways. There are a lot of ways in which those on the other side are involved in our life. And, and making sure that we get the gospel and they speak the words of Christ by the power of the Holy Ghost. And they're going to use whatever means possible so that the hearts of the children can turn to the fathers. I think that's another way that they do that. Okay. Now, what are they going to do? Oh, uh, one, one more. Uh, I know I'm hitting you with a lot. Somebody turn over to Alma 32. This time, it really, I know, you're thinking of second like Nephi, aren't you? <laughs> but no, it's actually Alma thirty. It is really Alma 32. Alma thirty-two thirty-two. Who's got that? Sue, got it. Okay. Therefore, if the seed grows, it is Um Is that thirty-two thirty-two? <laughs> Twenty-three. Yeah, Alma thirty-two thirty-two. <laughs> she, says, she says he's really confused. <laughs> That would be the one. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, you're right. Alma 32 is seed is good. Oh my gosh, am I way out on... <laughs> is that what I did? Holy mackerel. I promise that uh, next week I will have it more together here. Yes. Alma 3223. Thank you. Okay, you just got an explanation there of how angels work. Uh, He imparted his word by angels unto men and women, but this is not all. Little children, he's imparted unto little children. How? Listen to this explanation. Do have words given unto them many times which confound the wise and the learned. It's the gift of tongues. Speaking by the tongue of angels. It's that sense of saying, it's the weak things being made strong. It's the grace kicking in and and angels are helping minister to us to enable us to do that. That's, That's how it works. Okay. Let me just finish with this. Verse 36. of Moroni 7. (laughs) Or have angels ceased to appear unto the children of men, or has he withheld the power of the Holy Ghost from them? He sees those as very close to the same. Or will he, so long as time shall last, that the earth shall stand, that there be one man upon the face thereof to be saved, be preserved? I say unto you, Nay, it is by faith that miracles are wrought. It is by faith that angels appear and minister unto man. Therefore, if these things have ceased, uh, woe unto the children of man, for it is because of unbelief, and all is vain. Let me just finish by saying that there, we're coming into a period of time. When you start taking a look at the second coming, will there be a time that the children of man begin to really reject this grace. Yeah. And when they reject the grace, then then the power of the atonement in terms of of some of the things that they're going to need is ceasing to flow to them because they are refusing it. Not that it wasn't offered, but He's persuading, He's enticing, He's inviting, and they're saying, no, just like the children of Israel with the brazen serpent, they go, I know I just got to go do that, but I won't do. And we're getting to that point. And angels, and if you're all the book of Revelation is all about angels wanting to preach and wanting to do things, and they're not listening. Let me just finish by saying this. As this world grows darker, weak things are made strong. Guess who become angels in flesh? You are. You become the angels to a darkening world. You become angels because of the joy and the rest that begins to live in you to be able to be the angels to your neighbors, to be the angels to your kids, to be the angels to your grandkids, to be those angels. And to speak by the power of the Holy Ghost. When you do that, the ministering of angels will fill that role. The ministering of angels. And you may not be a great speaker, you may not be a great teacher, but you may love the powerful power that will touch and turn hearts. That will be your role as those who have entered into the rest. And, and you will do that because I judge this of you because you are the peaceable people. And you are walking a peaceable walk among the children of man. The Lord loves you and would use that love to, to serve others. And I leave that with you in Jesus' name.